Hey, Dr. Kylie, I must tell you that I'm already feeling a difference in my energy levels these past couple of weeks after starting your vitamin D supplement protocol. I'm two weeks into month two, taking 20,000 IUs per day. I'm truly optimistic on getting my life back. I know it's a journey. I will trust the process and be patient. I'm so looking forward to your new podcast season. Have a great week, Rachel. Picture this. The next time your doctor gets your labs done and tells you they're normal, you can smile and say thank you. Then take them home and read those normal labs to yourself. You won't have to depend on anyone else again. I'm going to teach you exactly how I read them in a very simple way, so no medical training is required. Where can you get this life-changing education? A private podcast coming inside the Beyond the Diagnosis membership. It's happening this fall, and if you want to transform your normal labs into answers, healing, and hope, you need access to this private podcast. Come join the tribe and get all the details and register at drkylieburton.com backslash healing-beyond-the-diagnosis. And we have another opportunity for you coming up. October 4th, we begin a six-week free-to-heal program. There are six of them. Choose the one that's right for you. Learn more and register at drkylieburton.com so that we can celebrate your success next. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, Dr. Kylie. Today, we are going to go over a 28-day hormone reboot that you can start on day one of your cycle. And if you're not cycling, you can start on the full moon. So let's understand first the impact our hormones have and how many hormones or how many organs impact us. If you were to take a guess and say, let's throw a number out there, 12 organs impact your hormones, you would be close. There are 14 organs that impact your hormones, male and female. They are the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, the thyroid, liver, kidneys, pancreas, the large and small intestine, the adrenal glands. Those are two little teeny glands that sit on top of your kidneys and are responsible for producing cortisol, your stress hormone. In a female, the ovaries, the uterus, your gallbladder, your parathyroid, and yes, your skin impacts your hormones. So if you're thinking, how on earth am I supposed to affect all 14 of those organs in 28 days? I'll teach you how. And if you're wondering who should do this, well, let me tell you, this is who would benefit. If you're suffering from any or several of any of these symptoms, fatigue, brain fog, trouble losing weight despite exercising and eating right, low libido, mood swings, insomnia, headaches, high stress, you have hard, painful, or heavy periods, you crave sugar, anxiety, depression, irregular cycles, pre or post menopause, PMS, bloating and or water retention, and specifically any hormone imbalance diagnosis like PCOS and endometriosis. 
Ultimately, this is a 21-day Rebuild Your Hormone program that will help literally rebuild your hormones simply by making specific choices during specific times of your cycle. And I will teach you why. In 28 days, you're going to go through four phases and each phase will be one week long. As we move through this process, you can literally start this on day one of your cycle, or if you're not cycling, again, start it on the full moon and use the moon phases as your cycle period. If you're not regular, start it on day one or on the moon phase, whichever is sooner for you, and it can help regulate things. Now, as far as promising what you're going to experience, I can't because I don't know what you are experiencing and everybody is different. The bottom line is, is let's figure out how to balance these hormones. Let's understand our body's communication pathways. And in 28 days, who knows the impact this simple regimen can have on you and your relationships. So once again, this is how it works. Each week, you're going to transition to something new, but you're going to continue what you did previously in the beginning week. So four weeks, four phases. Phase one, the focus will be to stabilize your blood sugar levels. Phase two, you're going to optimize your stress hormones, cortisol specifically, that's pumped out through the adrenals. Phase three, revitalize your eliminators. And phase four, maximize your cycle. Let's start into phase one, week one of the 28 days. Our target organs are going to be the pancreas, the gallbladder, and the liver. The hormones we're going to target are glucagon and insulin. Insulin is what binds blood sugar in your body and pulls it into your cells to be utilized as energy or to be stored for later. Glucagon does the opposite. If your blood sugar is low, it's going to pull carbs out of your organs and tissues, cells, get them into the blood to boost your blood sugar back up. So it's a teeter-tottering effect there with the insulin and the glucagon. Here's why phase one is so important. Unstable blood sugar is the number one underlying cause of hormonal problems, hormonal issues. Now, when we think about these three organs, pancreas, gallbladder, and liver, they all work hand in hand together. I mean, our body is one incredible machine with multiple systems that impact each other and multiple organs within a system and zillions of cells to make up that organ. Like it's all, if you really think about it, our bodies are incredible. They're human. So we might be broken in some ways, but focus in on the pancreas, the gallbladder and the liver. And if I can paint you a picture, how they are located in your body, your liver is like this V shaped organ then right next to it is the gallbladder. The gallbladder is then attached into the pancreas. And if you're thinking, well, I had my gallbladder removed, that's very common. Whether it helped or not, I'm not sure. Usually it's a 50-50 chance of if it helped or not. But the cystic duct is the duct that, if I remember my anatomy correctly, connects your gallbladder to your pancreas. And that cystic duct can actually turn into the gallbladder and do the gallbladder's job. So you might be thinking, I don't have a gallbladder. How will this affect me? That's okay. Your body is taken over and it's doing the gallbladder's job after you removed it. 
So the liver, the gallbladder, the pancreas, they're all right there, tightly connected and intercorrelated. The pancreas is responsible for producing and releasing our blood sugar controllers, those two hormones, glucagon and insulin. So the pancreas needs to be working well to help our body stabilize our blood sugar levels. When it comes to type one diabetes, what research has identified is 90% of the time type one diabetes is instigated by a virus attacking the pancreas and that inhibits its ability to produce insulin. One of the best treatments or part of any type one diabetic treatment regimen should be vitamin D. Research says that the higher the vitamin D status, the less insulin that is needed. So that's the pancreas's job, helps control our blood sugar. When you eat a source of carbohydrate, it gets broken down into glucose. Glucose enters your bloodstream and triggers the pancreas to complete its job by producing insulin. Insulin goes in and grabs the glucose, pulls it into the cells out of the bloodstream, helping to keep your blood sugar hopefully within an 85 to a 99 limit on a glucose test. Like I said, insulin takes the glucose from our bloodstream into the cells and uses it for fuel later on. The liver comes into play when the cells have a sufficient supply of glucose. The remaining is escorted to the liver where it gets produced into glycogen. Glycogen is the storage form of our glucose. Let's walk through this again so we can think about it. Insulin pulls glucose from our blood, turns it into fuel in our cells. If our cells don't need what is there with our high sugar diets and high carbohydrate diets, that supply gets turned into glycogen via the liver. Those glycogen muscles are a stored form of glucose in the muscles. Our muscles rely on glycogen for energy. Glucagon is the opposite of insulin. Remember, in between meals, if you wait too long to eat, your blood sugar is now low, your pancreas releases glucagon. When you experience low blood sugar, it's typically signs of I get dizzy or lightheaded. Glucagon tells the liver it needs to convert some glycogen stores back into glucose. Then this newly made glucose is released into the bloodstream, bringing your blood sugar levels back up and stabilizing them. As you can see, this is a delicate balance. Glucose is the brain's primary source of fuel, which is why some people, when they say they've gone keto for the first few weeks of keto, their brain goes crazy. Glucose also feeds our muscles during short bursts of energy, like HIIT training. So when blood sugar goes up, Insulin kicks in, when blood sugar goes down, glucagon kicks in. Keeping it balanced is key because that's less work for the liver. The liver has lots of jobs to do. Our body's primary organ of elimination is our liver. If it is too busy balancing our blood sugar and dealing with the other junk that it has to deal with, this will lead to hormone chaos, most often estrogen dominance. The gallbladder, its job is to help the pancreas break down food. The gallbladder produces enzymes needed to break apart food compounds like carbohydrates, proteins, and fat. 
into more simple compounds like glucose, amino acids, fatty acids that our body can use for fuel. To best control your liver's workload, use blood sugar stabilizing food methods. So here's four rules that you're going to start applying in week one of our 28-day reboot. Our rule number one, eat every meal every day. I will go to town with people who are battling intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting will work for some. It will cause and wreak havoc for others. So do what's worked for you. If intermittent fasting's worked for you in the past, then it might be something good. However, I love this idea of rotating our dietary regimen based on the seasons. If you've never heard of that before, I was introduced to it when I first went to a systemic formulas conference and they started to talk about how our, we should never stick with just one diet because back in our early days and our hunter gathering days, they had to base their diet off of seasons. So we should rotate what we do too, not just sticking to one thing. Rule number two, if you're going to have a snack between meals, it needs to have protein and fat with it. Never eat a carbohydrate by itself. So if you're going to grab an apple, grab an apple and some peanut butter. Rule number three, consume a protein-packed breakfast within 90 minutes of waking. So be sure you're eating food when you wake up. If you are not hungry, that is a sign of blood sugar imbalances. Rule number four, avoid grains and sugar of any kind one to two hours before bed. When you're least active, the glucose will most likely become fat instead of a source of energy. So once again, in week one, you're going to start practicing these four rules. Eat every meal every day. Enjoy a snack between meals if you choose. And if you choose to make us take a snack, be sure there's protein and fat involved, healthy fats. Rule number three, load your breakfast up with protein and healthy fats within 90 minutes of waking. Rule number four, one to two hours before bed, don't consume any grains or sugar of any kind. Do that for seven days, starting on day one of your cycle or the full moon. Then phase two. Phase two is where we're going to optimize your stress hormones. Our goal will be to heal your adrenal glands while simultaneously positively affecting your thyroid. So once again, we're going to target two organs, the adrenal glands and the thyroid. Now flash back into any of the thyroid episodes and you'll get a description on why and how the adrenals directly impact our thyroid. In fact, they directly impact your TSH level inside your lab tests. So along with these two main glands, the adrenal gland and the thyroid gland, inside this phase, we will be affecting the hypothalamus the pituitary, and the parathyroid. Our target hormone is cortisol. This is a fact. Stress is unavoidable for all of us. Stress levels never shut off. Fact number two, we are responsible for manufacturing a majority of the stress based upon this natural life we live. Now, you all know I'm a big fan of, yes, make sure you can de-stress at some point during each day. But the biggest factor is be sure you're identifying if there is an internal stressor inside you, conquer it, and then move on. 
that internal stressor is most often the case, an infection. You can determine that inside your labs on a regular CBC panel with that white blood cell count. I'm not going to get into the details, but I will tell you that I'm going to teach how to read the CBC and all regular blood work inside the private podcast, inside our membership coming this fall. So if you want in, next time your doctor tells you your labs are normal, you can smile and say thanks and be sure that your labs are not only normal, but they are ideal too. And there's a big difference in how you feel with normal labs versus how you feel with ideal labs. I'll teach you all the ins and outs on the private podcast. So come join the membership, drkileyburton.com backslash healing dash beyond dash the dash diagnosis, healing beyond the diagnosis with dashes in between each. You can get all the details and get in on this private podcast. So besides tackling infections, let's take a stress from a lifestyle standpoint here. Dr. Mark Hyman says that 95% of disease is either caused by or worsened by stress. The American Institute of Stress reports that 70-90% of all doctors' visits to healthcare providers are related to stress conditions. The definition of insanity, I always love this, doing what you've always done and expecting different results. So whatever you've tried, let's try something new. And in the case of gut, since I just recorded the podcast episode with Lori, a hydrocolon therapist, which you definitely need to listen to, whether it's already come out or it is coming out after this. I don't know. I haven't decided the publishing dates yet, but know that season three, listen to every episode because they are all the bomb.com. I wouldn't publish them if they weren't. Since we are so stressed, we are living in a sympathetic state, which is our fight or flight state. Our gut's not going to work and absorb food and eliminate crap, literally, if we're always in a sympathetic state. So we literally have to, for our gut health, and much more because our gut is everything to our bodies, we need to take the time to sit down and chew our food and take the time to breathe and get our bodies into that parasympathetic state where we can rest and digest. Cortisol, when elevated, should signal back to the hypothalamus that it can calm down and return to normal function. However, when cortisol is too high for too long, the adrenal glands are too busy pumping it and they forget to send the message to slow down back to the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus then communicates with the pituitary, which then communicates with the thyroid, which then produces your T4, which turns into T3, and it's a whole entire cascade from there. Results of high cortisol levels for a long time can include, but are not limited to, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, poor immune function, diabetes, cancer, Alzheimer's, and or stroke. In fact, I've heard multiple people refer to Alzheimer's as the type 3 diabetes. In the dehydration episode, it could also be caused by dehydration. Cortisol levels can contribute to obesity and difficulty losing weight, as well as infertility, just to name a few. High cortisol levels lead to hormone chaos. They steal progesterone. They steal testosterone. When it comes to hormones, all of your steroid hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, they are produced by this lovely term called cholesterol. 
Cholesterol has a couple different options. It can get broken down into two separate paths. One path goes down the testosterone and the estrogen route. The other path goes down the progesterone and the cortisol route. So if your cortisol is so high and it's continuing to drive everything to producing cortisol, the progesterone is going to suffer, the testosterone is going to suffer, and you could end up with an estrogen dominance. It's just all a hot mess. Let's be real. So when it comes to cortisol levels and stress, yes, those lifestyle treatments can help. The meditation, the yoga, the taking a few deep breaths. For me, heck, if I can get into the bathtub by myself for five minutes and clean my hair, great. But when it comes to our diet, there's a couple ingredients or items that directly impact our cortisol levels. And that's what we're going to focus on in phase two. Phase two. So after you've instigated the four rules to balance out your blood sugar in phase one, week one, you're going to continue those into phase two, week two. Get the diet right. No caffeine, no alcohol, and no refined sugar. So if you're thinking, oh, my coffee has caffeine in the morning, maybe we're going to have to switch it out for something different. Caffeine is going to prevent your adrenal glands from healing. And you can't heal your adrenal glands without balancing your blood sugar at the same time. If you need supplementation, the supplement for the adrenals is GA, the supplement to help balance and stabilize your blood sugar is Sinulin. Both of those I take on a more consistent basis, especially at night when I'm laying in bed, my mind is going a million miles an hour and I can't sleep even though I'm physically exhausted. If you really want to get into this, jump into one of our 21-day programs or the free to heal six-week program. When it comes to adrenals, exercise can also do some damage. Are you using exercise to have benefit or is exercise just another stressor you're placing on your body? What I like to do is this rule of thumb of 30 minutes per day. Maybe do it three or four times a week and rest for the other days or do something like yoga or walking or meditation instead. So focus on a max of 30 minutes per day. Don't let exercise become another stressor on your body. That's week two. So as a review of week two, our target organs are the hypothalamus, the adrenals, the thyroid, the pituitary, and the parathyroid. The target hormones directly is cortisol. We are going to focus on avoiding caffeine, alcohol, and refined sugar. If you need supplementation, get GA and Sinulin. And then be sure to tune your exercise regimen, if you're doing any at all, to help and not be detrimental. Phase three, revitalize your eliminators. Large intestine, liver, lungs, kidney, lymph, and skin. These are all part of our detox organs or our system and very important for helping our body get rid of the junk. We better put small intestine in there too. Our target hormones, not really anything in specific, but we need to make sure these organs are working cleanly and effectively so that your hormones that need to be eliminated can and the right hormone levels stay appropriate. So for example, heavy, painful periods, 
your liver and your other elimination organs are having to work too hard. So estrogen just continues to get higher and higher and higher. Maybe even there's a cortisol factor stealing from your progesterone and the balance of the two aren't helping. So phase three, revitalize your eliminators. These organs, the elimination organs, help to usher hormones outside of your body. They are the natural detoxifiers. With these organs functioning correctly, they can help to eliminate excess toxins and hormones. For example, the liver needs to break down estrogen. If it's too busy doing other things, estrogen continues to build up, leading to symptoms of heavy, painful periods, irregular cycles, and other hormone chaos. Ultimately, this may be like I had to have an ablation or eventually a hysterectomy if that's the route chosen, but it all comes back to the main organ of the liver. The liver has over 500 functions. Yes, 500. It is the primary detox organ, but it also manufactures bile, filters blood, and helps manage our metabolic systems. The liver and gluten. What's the big deal? Dr. Sarah Gottfried says the problem is that gluten may make you fat. When ingested, gluten can sound an alarm in your gut and brain, trigger immune overreaction, increase appetite, and hook you into overeating. It can punch holes in the wall of the gut lining, leading to bloating, creating an achy belly, and causing your immune system to malfunction. Gluten has become the dietary villain of the decade. And the backlash has led to an astounding growth of gluten-free breads, muffins, desserts, all of which is considered gluten-free junk food. In fact, gluten-free foods is a $6.3 billion industry with a B and growing. Gluten-free junk foods, I agree. What is gluten? A protein found in wheat. The most common aspect of gluten The part of the chemical compound that wrecks havoc on our system is the gliadin. So technically, just because it's a a gluten-free product does not mean that it's gliadin-free. Our body just simply can't break it down. Why not? How come we could handle gluten 100 years ago, but not now? Well, the food industry has been changed, as you all know. But from what I've seen in the research is that we've never been able to break gluten down. It's just that with the accumulation effects of the processing plants and all the other madness going on, adverse side effects have now occurred. One of the correlations I had with gluten was, and I'm not gluten-free all the time. I don't eat much of it, but I'm definitely not gluten-free forever. I had this pain in my knee after I ran what they call Ragnar, which is a long distance, multiple leg team event. And I got out of the bus or out of the vehicle after the last, like literally at the finish line, I had completed all of my legs, my my race portions and my knee popped and I like couldn't bend it. No ligament damage, no tears, but I just was never able to run the same. After that, I could run for like a half a mile and then it was also my knee would lock up and I couldn't move it anymore. So one of the docs who was helping me in chiropractic school introduced me to, hey, gluten might be causing your knee pain. Sure enough, it was. I went gluten-free for a period of time. 
my knee pain was gone. And when I notice it coming back, that means I've had too much gluten and I need to do a reboot in my system. Dr. Datis Karazian is a big time expert in all things functional medicine. He says that when gluten crosses the blood-brain barrier, the immune system prepares for attacks and thyroid tissue gets caught in the battle. Why? Because the component of the thyroid tissue is so similar to the structure of the gluten molecule that the immune system doesn't recognize the two of them separately and attacks both. In one study of 400 patients with a thyroiditis, 6% of them tested positive for gliadin antibodies. Gliadin is the protein found in gluten, like you all know now, is, and that's what actually causes the harm, not gluten itself. So phase three, this is the third week. The rule, go gluten-free and no gluten-free junk foods either. This will not only help the liver, but it will help the large intestine. Dairy is also another culprit. Dairy and gluten, slow transit time through the large intestine. It impacts estrogen levels with and without regular bowel movements, estrogen permeates the lining of the large intestine, making its way back into the bloodstream, which is why when I'm often doing heavy painful periods or estrogen dominance type symptoms, we always have to go back to the gut as well. Make sure these eliminating organs are working efficiently. Now, remember the elimination organs are not just about the liver and the large intestine and the skin. They're about the lungs too. So in this week, we're going to add in taking two to three deep breaths every time you eat. So we can associate it with something. So it's easier to do and to remember to complete that. The lungs help release carbon dioxide and other gases from the body. The kidneys, the kidneys are responsible for filtering blood and getting rid of waste. They create hormones like aldosterone that indicate things like our blood pressure. They help make red blood cells and they promote, aldosterone promotes bone health. So as far as kidneys are concerned, dairy is a big time culprit. Minerals like calcium can become too concentrated in the urine. So they build up in the kidneys. Stones are formed. Calcium kidney stones are the most common and dairy is linked to this. In fact, 60 to 80% of estrogen from the diet is consumed via dairy. Rule two with phase three is dairy-free. So no case I no way, 14 days, you can do it, right? Because we're in week three, so we need to do week three and week four. That's it. So week three and week four, dairy-free, gluten-free, focus on your breathing. And without talking about the lymphatic system in regards to the elimination organs, that would be a major mistake. So the lymphatic system is a super highway for clearing away any cellular waste from your bloodstream. Lymph nodes are regions where there's a concentration of action. This is why it's so important to keep the node areas flowing as they are near key hormone sensitive areas like breast tissue and ovaries. Without this route for hormone waste to leave the body, the delicate hormonal conversation would quickly break down as the hypothalamus would seek to suppress hormonal output. That was a quote by Elisa Vitti in her book, Woman Code. So again, the lymphatic system 
is a super highway for clearing away any cellular waste from the bloodstream. And it definitely needs to be incorporated into a hormone regimen. There are lymph massages that you can do as well. There's even or a supplement out there. I can't remember. I think it's called Lymph Active by Microbe Formulas, also known as Cellcore. That's targeting specific the lymphatic system. The skin is our largest organ. It has a very high concentration of pores, which makes it a natural highway for waste to exit the body. When does the skin take action? During our high levels of stress, the scent of your sweat will actually change because hormones are exiting the body. Recap phase three, week three. Target organs, the elimination organs, the large intestine, the liver, the kidneys, the lymph system, the skin, and the lungs. We're not targeting any hormones specifically, but here are your rules. Gluten-free, that includes gluten-free junk food. Dairy-free, and when you're eating, take a couple of big, deep breaths, help your lungs release gas. That's week three. If you want to know some good news, your body rebuilds new taste buds every two weeks. Cut gluten and dairy out for two weeks, you'll have new taste buds. And I try, I've, I don't drink dairy. I haven't drank milk for a long time, years actually. And I had some last night as I was trying to help my four-year-old and I tasted it. I was like, oh, this tastes awful. How did I ever drink this stuff? New taste buds. Now, almond milk, vanilla unsweetened is the go-to. Phase four, week four. Let's maximize your cycle. The organs we are affecting are the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, the ovaries, and the uterus. Target hormones are those steroid hormones. Estrogen, progesterone, FSH, LH, and testosterone. So let's understand your cycle. Let's just learn the basics of it. There are four phases. The menstrual phase, which we often call call the period. Then the next phase or the first half of the cycle is the follicular phase. Then we have that short ovulatory phase. And then last but not least is the luteal phase. The hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, and the ovaries. We call this the HPO axis, and this axis is what runs your hormones. The hypothalamus produces gonadotropin-releasing hormone. The pituitary gland produces FSH and LH. It also produces TSH. The ovaries produce estrogen and progesterone. So in the first half of the cycle, we have the follicular phase where FSH and LH are going to stay low. In fact, the only time FSH and LH pop up is when we are ovulating. So the first half of the cycle is when estrogen builds up. The higher the estrogen levels, the heavier the period, because that's what is controlling the building of the endometrium. And then ovulation occurs, estrogen drops off, and progesterone takes over. So what is that teeter-totter ratio effect of estrogen and progesterone? Is there too much estrogen and not enough progesterone and uh, vice versa? How does your cycle influence your everyday life? Well, let's just make it short. We are different people, us women, every single day. And every month can be different. 
If you are dealing with symptoms of excess estrogen, you might be experiencing things of dysmenorrhea, not having a period, or menorrhea, where the period is too heavy, nausea, edema, or other things like enlarged uterus, uterine fibroids, fibrocystic breasts, and most importantly, heavy, painful periods. If your progesterone levels are too high, progesterone, you can experience edema, bloating, headaches, depression, weight gain, fatigue, hypertension, varicose veins. If your progesterone is too low, you can experience things like endometriosis. Okay, so heavy and painful periods. Why? Because progesterone is too low, estrogen is too high, and spotting. This is the phase where we're going to start talking about exercise. Now, the first phase in our, when we are on our period, we want to rest and recover. Take it easy. Work out if you feel like it, but keep it low intensity. That follicular phase, the week after our period or the first half of the cycle, depending on how long your period is, that's going to be where we have the most energy. So we can do those more challenging workouts and feel really good about ourselves. Women, you don't need to do a challenging workout every single week. Every single time you go to the gym, it's not how we're designed. It's not how we're built. It's not how we're going to maximize our cycle. The ovulation phase is when our energy is at a maximum. So during those few days, when you feel like you are on, in the ovulation phase, go for it. Hit the gym hard or whatever those workouts are going to be. The luteal phase is when we need to listen to our body. Our energy levels might be high or they might be ready for rest and digest to come in. Rest and recover, I should say, for the menstrual phase. So really give yourself opportunities to be successful in the gym, but also to be successful in the hormone standpoint. Maximizing your cycle with food. During the menstrual phase, when we are on our period, we want to eat nutrient-dense foods that are filled with water, like fruits and vegetables. We want to replace the iron and the zinc that's lost with our period with red meats. Our follicular phase, the first half of the cycle, all of our hormone levels are at their lowest. So adding vibrant colors of foods into our diet will help provide you with needed motivation and energy. Let's fix this because our hormone levels are at the point where they are building up. Our progesterone should be low. Our estrogen is building up. We have the most energy. The ovulation phase contains plenty of energy and a stable mood. So just focus on healthy foods that you enjoy. And last but not least, the luteal phase where progesterone starts to take over. Recognize that your sugar cravings may be at a high. So B vitamins will become your friend. Be mindful of your blood sugar levels to prevent mood swings. And then jump back into the episode with Karen Martell, she really dives into this really beautifully. I can't remember which episode it is, but it's there. And I, and it has something to do with why can't I lose weight? There you go. There's the podcast title, the episode title. So jump back into the, the, why can't I lose weight episode? And she goes through what to eat, when to eat it during your cycle in very great detail. So what are we going to do during this cycle? We're going to pay attention to our exercise regimen. And then rule number two, avoid soy. Soy contains high levels of phytoestrogens that will mimic estrogen. They can disrupt your endocrine system, 
even inhibit fertility on both sides of the spectrum, both male and female, and they can also inhibit thyroid function. So rule number one with the maximize your cycle in phase four, pay attention to your exercise and your workouts around each phase of your cycle and then avoid soy. Phase four review. We've covered a lot. All right. In the last phase, we're going to hit our target organs, the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, the ovaries, and the uterus. We're going to target these hormones, estrogen, progesterone, FSH, LH, and testosterone. Rule number one, the right type of exercise at the right time. Rule number two, feed your body what it needs when it needs it. Go back to the Why Can't I Lose Weight episode with Karen Martell. She'll give you all the details. Rule number three, no soy. This will be for the final seven days of your 28-day reboot. So there you have it. 28-day reboot in a nutshell. Phase one, stabilize blood sugar. Phase two, optimize your stress hormones with no caffeine, no alcohol, no refined sugar. Phase three, revitalize your eliminators. And phase four, maximize your cycle. Pay attention to your exercise regimen and avoid soy. I hope you learned as much as I did. And it was as simple as as simple as I can make it. Be sure to come join us inside the right program that's for you. We'll jump into this 28-day reboot even more, give you the help that you need. And let me know your success stories. Talk to you on the next episode. I hope you learned as much as I did from that discussion. Now, I'm in need of your help. I'm writing a book because of overwhelming requests. I'll be teaching you how to transform those normal labs into answers, healing, and hope. Whether you're a practitioner or you're trying to take charge of your own health, what questions do you have about blood work in labs? I'd love to answer those questions inside the book. To submit your questions for a chance to be answered within those pages, text 855-499-2555. Again, that's 855-499-2555. Then stay tuned. You just might have a special place inside the Q&A at the end of each chapter. Come join the membership. You not only get access to me on live calls, but you also get the answers to questions just like yours on my private podcast. This level of attention and help is only available inside my membership. So stop relying on late night Google searches and start getting the answers and relief you desire. I can't wait to welcome you in. I would also love to welcome you in to the six week free to heal program. That's the right fit for you. We begin October 4th. Learn more about the program and the membership by going to drkylieburton.com. See you on the inside.